go bra. Oh, yeah, we're recording on St. Patrick's Day. Um, hi, I'm Sydney. Uh, and the city is the fifth character. <laughs> oh, the city is the, the city fifth is character. The fifth character. The fifth character in... The fifth character in what? Seth? In the seminal series, Sex in the City 2. Well, no, this... <laughs> Oh, God, I'm in too deep. In this series, Sex in the City 2, the city... No, Jesus Christ. I'm, oh, the movie's gotten to her already. I've been thinking it's about St. Patrick's Day. Day. I've had... It's St. Patrick's Day. I've had two sips of my drink, and um, apparently I'm out. And I'm already absolutely fucking I'm spanned. already spannered. <laughs> you mean hammered. Um, what are you drinking? It's only 4%. I'm drinking Firefly whiskey from the distillery about five minutes away from us. Oh, for fuck's sake. What are you drinking? I have a concoction that I've created. Um, I came up with the drink on my birthday, and I really like it, so I've just kept drinking it. It's um, gin, creme de violette, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. aromatic tonic water. Ooh. A dash of bitters. It's a fancy way to say LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> Tonic water and um, a dash of bitters and a dash of sweet lime juice. And a sprig of rosemary. I love a good gin drink. Oh, put rosemary in everything. You would love this. I want to make it for you. Oh, yes, my dear. <laughs> okay, um, as much as I'm enjoying this pleasant conversation, I have written... Almost 5,000 words um, for this podcast today, so it might be a long one. We'll see. Um, about da, 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 the movie installment of the Sex and the City franchise, specifically the second one, Sex and the City 2, Monsters Unleashed. Um, it's, is it really? Okay, <laughs> forgive my ignorance. Is it really called Sex and the City 2, Monsters Unleashed? No, that's the name of the second live action Scooby-Doo movie. I've only ever seen the first one when they're all horny on an island together. I don't know if it's the same in the second. Um, I don't think they're on an island, but they're definitely still horny. Who's calling me? Not now. We have 5,000 words to get through. (laughs) Hello? Hey, um, I'm about to order a tacologist. Do you want a margarita? Ooh. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? What kind do you want? Strawberry, please. Blended or rocks? Rocks. Rocks. Okay. Okay, okay bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Sick. Um, so I'm getting a margarita delivered to me. Yeah, that's nice. Um, all right. Sex and the City 2. Are you ready, Madison? Electric Boogaloo. Yes. And like always, feel free to interrupt as much as you want with your thoughts, but I did write 19 pages, so let's get started. <laughs> In the summer of 2010, the second installment in the Sex and the City movie franchise premiered worldwide. In the United States, the movie grossed over $95 million. Unbeknownst to the iconic 90s quartet, Sex and the City 2 was about to become the most widely hated movies of all time, with a Rotten Tomatoes score of just 16%. You may ask yourself, what's so bad about this movie? Is yet another cinematic masterpiece being held back just because it was made for a mainly female's audience? Is this another Jennifer's Body situation where the movie is so ahead of its time that the feeble-minded audiences don't understand its complex storytelling and manipulation of traditional gender roles in film and media? No! 
Okay, one second. <laughs> one second. If you've never seen Jennifer's body, stop listening to this. <laughs> Go watch that come back. Like, it is important enough for you to stop listening to this. Go watch that movie and, and then come, come back. back. It is one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> Anyways. Um, no. Not at all. The audiences are right. The movie was not only not ahead of its time, <laughs> but it seems to have been filmed far too late for modern audiences, with antiquated quips, empty plot points, shaky conflicts, and so, so, so much Islamophobia, this two and a half hour stain on the legacy of Sex in the City will have to make you wonder, how did this shit get greenlit? <clears throat> how did this shit get greenlit? That's the name of the episode. <laughs> the plot summary is as follows. Fun, fashion, and friendship continue to define the lives of Carrie, Samantha, Charlotte, and Miranda. They have more than they ever wished for, but when the complications of marriage and motherhood approach, the gals take an exotic vacation to Abu Dhabi. The sun-drenched paradise holds many surprises, especially for Carrie, who faces temptation when she unexpectedly runs into Aiden. So for those of you who are already lost, don't worry. I will try to explain the finer details of who these characters are, why they're so fucked up about everything, uh, but I will admit that I watched Sex and the City 2 before I had watched the series, which I love, for the record. Um, and I still haven't seen Sex and the City 1, uh, which, having not seen those two things before, made the whole thing way funnier in, like, this absurd, surrealist way. Um, but, all that being said, buckle up. You're about to go on the ride of your life. And yes, I will try to describe everything that they are wearing. All right. <laughs> the most important oh my part. God. It's so bad. Okay. <laughs> the movie. We'll put a picture book with the Instagram. We have post. to. There's like, I tried my best to describe these horrendous outfits, but it's just so difficult. Um, the movie opens with Carrie providing a romantic yet racist simplification of the European settlement of Manhattan. After a quick one run through of how she met each of the girls and some honestly iconic Madonna esque 80s fashion moments. The girls all wind up in some overpriced department store to purchase a wedding gift for Carrie's gay best friend, Stanford. Fans of the show will remember Stanford Blatch as a hopelessly single gay man who served as the foil to Carrie in the show. Together, they would whine about how hard it is to find a nice guy in the city, yada yada yada. The girls remark that it's like hell is frozen over, and Charlotte proudly tells the poor customer service representative, her guest best gay friend is marrying my best gay friend. Miranda correctly notes that the characters historically hate each other in the series, and Samantha exclaims, It's like musical chairs. The music stopped, and they were the last two left standing. Trying to blow over the trope of having only... Oh my gosh! <laughs> is the only thing that you know about us is that we're gay? Is that... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, wow. Anyways. So that... I... <laughs> Very 2003. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. This movie was in 2010, I will reiterate. Um... Trying to blow over the trope of having the only two queer characters fall in love with each other, uh, Carrie quickly follows up, when you thought everyone you knew was too old to get married, here come the gays. <laughs> what the? <laughs> this is the first scene. <laughs> um. What? <laughs> Go ahead. Why, why alienate so much of your potential audience? Oh, honey, we haven't even gotten started. Let me get through the wedding. This is... <laughs> Look wild. Anyways. The scene changes to a charming house in Connecticut, the weekend of the wedding. This is the point, in the, the point in the official drinking game, where one begins to wonder if they will die of alcohol poisoning if they continue to take shots every time someone says the phrase gay wedding. 
Carrie steps out of her changing room to reveal a suit matching her husband's. And honestly, at this point, she looks great, except for her hair looks like a toddler with her first hair crimper when at a zoo lion. She has a dialogue with her husband, Mr. Big, who proceeds with such gems as, quote, So is a gay wedding shorter or longer than a straight wedding? Well, I think the marriage ceremony is about the same, but I have no idea the lo- how long the sacrificing of the straight men will take. Gay wedding. Do you, will you please stop referring to this as a gay wedding? Well, isn't it a gay wedding? Well, yes, but it's not just a gay wedding. It's Stanford and Anthony's wedding. Don't want to be late to my first gay wedding. This is not a gay wedding. Okay, it's a gay wedding. End quote. <laughs> All of this was in a two-minute scene. Are you still alive at this point? Um, I'd probably be on the floor crying, <laughs> but... <laughs> this reminds me, I forget which comedian says it, but that, you know, we don't have gay parking. It's not like everything has to have this modifier. It's just a wedding. This is insane. For two- 2010? Yes. 2010, the year of our Lord. Ugh. Um, whew, Jesus. There's so much, like, <laughs> at this point, we're only, like, seven minutes into the movie. Um... The next scene opens up to the incredibly lavish black and white extravaganza that is the wedding venue. The Manhattan Gay Men's Choir sings a song from Fiddler on the Roof, which is a choice that I still question to this day. (laughs) Did they sing Rich Man? Like, what the fuck? No, it's the one that's like, sunrise, sunset. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Okay, weird. I mean. So, um, the girls reunite, looking amazing. And some light dialogue ensues before we are blessed with this gem quote. You brought your dog? It's a gay wedding. I figured, what's one more little bitch with an attitude? (laughs) You guys... Excuse me? (laughs) You guys, shouldn't we be a little more PC? Can you believe this place? It looks like the Snow Queen exploded. How's that for PC? End quote. What? How do these characters... How do these people, these actors, these writers... Putting this movie together, not have a single gay friend in Los Angeles. I don't know. But what's so strange is that, like, while this sitcom from the 90s and early 2000s is dated, like, there's nothing like this really in it. Um, So I don't know what happened. I don't know if the writers were, like, all already mad about politically correct culture. When was... (laughs) When was the writer's strike? <laughs> um, I think it... Wait, it was 2010. Wasn't it 2010? Yeah, like tw- 2009, 2010, wasn't it? Could they just not find a good writer? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You might have unlocked oh, a November, secret. Oh, November 5th, 2007. It was 2007 to 2008, but I imagine you write a movie script before. Oh, Occupy Wall Street was in 2010. That's what it was. Oh, that's right. Okay. So... The writer's strike was two years before, so let's assume that this was written during the writer's strike, just for my <laughs> just to be sanity. nice. <laughs> You're not going to be want, want to be nice when I <laughs> um, uh, So, how's that for PC? Um, I don't know what that means. I don't get it. Uh, maybe I'm just stupid. But um, Carrie goes on to talk to Stanford in his groom tent or whatever and <laughs> proceeds to put on the worst hat I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's like... A lace diadem moment um, that should someone wear it to my wedding, I would have them ceremoniously removed and executed over. Um, 
<laughs> it's beheaded. <laughs> it's seriously like evil queen meets court jester meets Lady Gaga. I can't put into words how much I hate it. So of all the th- offensive things that happened in this movie, that one might take the cake. Um, <laughs> let me... I need to see this hat before we continue. Oh my god, I hate it so much. <laughs> um, to a wedding? She's the best me? man. And she's wearing that. What kind of, like... Backass Easter service lion's mane bullshit is this? It looks like it's made of paper too. I think that's the most offensive part to me. It's like it's literally falling off of her head in this photo. It's horrific. Um, I like I said, I I really can't put into words how much I hate it. And she isn't wearing it for most of the lead up to this scene. And she brings it out and she's like, "Where's my hat?" Which like calling that a hat is interesting. First of all. And then she puts it mm-hmm. on, and she's like, this is 100% Carrie Bradshaw. And I'm like, I think I hate Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> so, anywho. Um, the gays continue to sing Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> Samantha says, could this wedding get any gayer? Just as... Madison, I need you to take a deep breath before I say this next line. Okay. Are you calm? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just as... I have my whiskey. Okay. Just as Liza Minnelli steps from behind a beaded curtain <laughs> to officiate the wedding. <laughs> you. I'm hanging up. It's as weird as you this think it would be. No, stop. I haven't even started. This is like. <laughs> I detest Liza Minnelli with the white hot passion of a thousand suns. What do you Madison, mean? Madison, this all of this has happened in the first 10 minutes. I cannot stress that in enough. In Sex and the City universe, is Liza Minnelli still Liza yeah. Minnelli? Or is she like... Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So, she steps from behind a beaded curtain to officiate the wedding. It's as weird as you think it would be. The reception opens to Liza singing Beyonce's Single Ladies in a black sequin mini dress with two backup dancers that look identical to her. You may be thinking, am I hallucinating because I have involuntarily consumed an amount of vodka that would kill a small bear? No, that's just how this movie is. Get used to it. During this scene, a few important conflicts are established. Charlotte gets a text from the nanny that they brought to the wedding that her younger daughter, Rose, is being fussy and giving her a hard time. Miranda, a partner at a law firm, gets an email from a senior partner who she explains hates her and is giving her a hard time and silences her at work because she is a woman. Carrie has a weird conversation with a fan about her and Big are going to be unfulfilled in life because they don't plan on having children. Samantha notes she's dealing with aging in a, quote, all-natural way. Okay, a hundred red flags again. (laughs) The next morning opens to brunch in a garden. Okay, wait, I want to go back real quick. Those are all the conflicts that happen in the movie. Wait, what? That was all of the conflicts? These are the establishments of the conflicts. Like, you know how, like, movies will have an A plot and a B plot? Yeah. Um, Sex and the City 2 has an A through J plot. (laughs) There's so much to keep up with. Um, it took me three separate sittings to write out this um, analysis, uh, if that gives you any indication of how complex a piece of film this is. 
I mean, I'm just impressed that you could type with as drunk as you were probably watching this. Um, I also have to admit that this is the third time in a calendar year that I have watched this movie. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. The first two times were voluntary. (laughs) I've watched this movie three times, and in that span of time, I have aged 100 years. (laughs) A little family of field mice is growing in my beard. Um. Oh, gosh. (laughs) The next morning opens to brunch in a garden. Samantha lines up her regiment of 44 daily vitamins that are helping her stave off menopause. Charlotte comes in with her children, noting that the nanny will be there shortly to pick them up. The boy... And... Oh, wait. Okay. Hold on. Charlotte comes in with her children, noting that the nanny will be there shortly to pick them up, and boy, does Erin the Irish nanny make an appearance. From the lawn, she comes running in a nude tank top, no bra, and nipples fully present. Samantha makes a clever Aaron Gobralis joke, which I have to respect. And yes. <laughs> okay, fine. The, every every turd <laughs> might once have been a delicious meal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yes, just as you were expecting, the braless nanny becomes the center of a major conflict in the film, as Charlotte, Charlotte notices all of the husbands ogling at her practicing cartwheels on the lawn with the children. again more red flags okay so we've already thrown in like we hate the gays Mm -hmm. some wannabe feminism Mm -hmm. shaming women for not wanting children and or fertility Mm -hmm. issues and now we're doing the boomer humor of like oh my gosh my husbands are the worst slash i hate my wife Mm -hmm. like how far in are we um at this point maybe like 20 minutes (laughs) we have two hours left buckle up That afternoon, back in New York, the seeds of Charlotte's character conflict are planted when she suggests that Big, that her and Big go out to dinner when he would rather stay in and get takeout. That's it. That's the whole thing. If you take nothing else away from this experience, let it be that while Miranda was experiencing sexism at work, Charlotte was struggling with child rearing, Samantha coming to terms with aging out of her libido, Carrie and Big couldn't decide if they wanted to go out and stay in, and all of these problems are equal in the eyes of the producers. (laughs) over the next few scenes everyone's problems begin to escalate a little bit more Miranda quits her job because of the awful senior partner and makes it to her son's science fair Charlotte walks in on her husband Harry and Aaron the nanny bathing her young daughter when the nanny wins a wet t-shirt contest organized by the fussy toddler Charlotte calls Carrie to voice her concerns while making a shit ton of cupcakes for her school party when, between the toddler crying and her older daughter Lily having a time in the icing, Lily slaps some bright red handprints onto Charlotte's vintage cream Valentino pencil skirt. Valentino pencil skirt? And my Valentino pencil skirt! <laughs> in a very sincere moment, one of the few in the movie, Charlotte yells at her child and in tears runs to the pantry to sob. Erin finds her having a breakdown and whisks the children away to play. The next scene is somewhat of a filler, but it needs to be discussed. (sighs) Samantha is putting prescription hormone cream on her vagina in her all-glass Times Square-adjacent office. Her poor assistant witnesses the whole thing. That's sexual harassment. (laughs) That is illegal and immoral. (laughs) A glass office. And don't you... Have a home, a bathroom, a toilet, perhaps. I just... 
And the wall between her office and her assistant is clear. So, like, her assistant can see her sitting there rubbing cream on her vagina. And it's just like, you're not sexy. That's a crime. This feels so Gwyneth Paltrow to me. (laughs) Don't say that. We might get slapped with a lawsuit. I mean, um, Penneth Galtrow. (laughs) Poog. Goop backwards. Poog. <laughs> this is very poog. This is very poog. <laughs> um, this is big poog energy. Taking a poog all over big my poog. eyeballs. Um, <laughs> she answers a call from a former client and fling who tells her that he's in Abu Dhabi filming a movie. The red carpet event is in New York and he wants Samantha to be his date. She accepts. Back at Big and Carrie's apartment, they're celebrating their anniversary with a dinner at home. Something Carrie loathes. <laughs> it must be noted that she's wearing a beaded tie. Like, necktie? Yeah, it's a necktie made of beads. Like a Green Day yeah, kind dad of. necktie yeah. made of beads. beads. With like At her anniversary dinner? Yeah, with like a black tank top and like a big tulle skirt. Okay, cool. Just checking. Yeah. She gives him a vintage watch, and he leads her into the bedroom where he has purchased for them a flat-screen television for lying in bed and watching black-and-white movies. She's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie is next seen shopping with Samantha, where she complains about how the staying in and the TV makes them feel like Mr. and Mrs. quote, married, unquote. She gets herself and Big invited to the movie premiere with Samantha as a way to remedy the monotony. Samantha eyes a horrific dress, which I sent you a picture of earlier, um, that's perfect for the premiere. It's a three-toned sequin mini-dress that fades from gold to bronze to silver. The pattern is art deco, but also has a weird, thick, gemmed sweetheart neckline and a chunky belt that does not match anything. Very 2010 belt. Yeah. Don't know what to do. All pulled together with the ugliest thigh-high boots I've ever seen. Um, It's like the costume team. The whole movie was pulling a really elaborate prank on the cast, and no one noticed it, so they just, like, went with it. Um, So the day of the premiere arrives, and Carrie is getting ready at home. Big comes in with takeout and slumps onto the couch. Carrie warns him not to get too comfortable because he has to get ready, and he sighs, forgetting that it was that night, and citing the fact that they don't usually go out on Mondays. He tells her to go out without him. She makes him rally and drags him to the premiere against his will. On the red carpet, Samantha and Miley Cyrus wear the same horrible dress with the biggest necklaces I've ever seen. I know it's a war crime that they put that dress I just described on Hannah Montana's body. Um, at the after party, Samantha sits with her movie star date surrounded by the United Arab Emirates' most rich and powerful movie producers. They invite Samantha to see the quote-unquote New Middle East and to possibly do the publicity for his new hotel. When Carrie and Big get back to the apartment, she starts a fight over how he's changed since they got married and how she doesn't like his at-home persona. It's very toxic. Um, let the man watch Deadliest Catch. I mean, what the hell do you want me Yeah. Yes. Let the man <laughs> mine his gold in his sofa when he's at home. What do you want me to do? Tab dance every time you get home? Plan exotic 
racist vacations to the Middle East? Like, what yes. in the hell is she expecting? I think that is exactly what she's expecting. <laughs> to which I say, this is toxic. yeah, let him watch Deadliest Catch in Peace. He went to the premiere with you. What more do you want? Um, Life is about balance. You have to have some sort of comfort level being at home. Like, yeah. can you imagine Carrie Bradshaw in the year of our Lord 2020 during a pandemic? Oh my gosh. Like, she would be an being... anti-masker. Oh, the main conflict being I can't go out to dinner. This actually does sound like a lot of conflicts that I heard in 2020 with people just, like, pitching a fit. <laughs> yeah, so. but it's not because there's a virus on the loose. Adios mio. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. Um, so in the morning, uh, a still pissed off Carrie goes to her apartment that she ha- had as a single person that's, like, famous in the series. Um, and because she keeps it as a space to write. I know what you're thinking. In a housing market as expensive and crowded in New York... These assholes are taking up a rent-controlled haven in the village to house all of her gaudy-ass clothes? Yes, they are. These people are the worst. Big calls and she tells them she will be... Jesus. <laughs> Big calls and she tells them... Are you ever so flustered by be... <laughs> That she will be staying there for a couple of days to finish an article. So she calls the Gorals up the next day and they're at lunch... Samantha announces that she got them all an all-expense-paid trip to Abu Dhabi, courtesy of the Sheik that she met at the premiere. Oh. My. God. Okay. (laughs) I have to stay here and write an article so I cannot come home to you, my sweet husband, who's just trying to watch black and white movies and bring me dinner. And on top of that, I'm going to go out to lunch with the girls and a mysterious Sheik (laughs) <laughs> paid for an all-expenses vacation to the Middle East. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I should note here that I don't know if it's pronounced chic or shake because they go back and forth in the movie. Um, I'm going to say shake for the rest of this. So this is another word that I've only ever read. Right. <laughs> and then as as I will cover later, um, this movie is not good at pronouncing Arab words. So um, I don't really trust the pronunciation that they use. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, they all agree to go. That night, Big picks Carrie up and takes her out to dinner, just like the old times. It's really sweet. Um As she's packing for the trip a few weeks later, he mentions how wonderful that night was that they were apart, they got a day off, and proposes that they spend a couple of days apart every week at separate apartments. She's livid and accuses him of wanting to take time off of their marriage and tells him that he can't get another place because it's a waste of money. He's- oh, oh, oh my (laughs) gosh. This is, like, so toxic, man. it's terrible. Listen, fellas- if we have any fellows that listen to this, do not let any woman treat you this Mm-mm. way. Holy crap. Now, Carrie Bradshaw is the worst character um, in this movie and in the series. It's just like, it sucks that she has to be our protagonist. This is some dead-ass gaslighting. Like, I will keep my fancy writing apartment and I will complain that we are not spicy enough in our marriage, but God forbid you want to sit at home and watch Deadliest Catch for a day. <laughs> And you enjoy it when I'm not there to nag you. 
about enjoying Deadliest Catch for one day. What pisses me off the most is that she's like, you having another apartment would skew me out and it's a huge waste of money when she literally just ran away from an argument to her other apartment. With her clothes and her writing. Like, I'm not trying to be a men apologizer here. It's just like... We have to be toxic fair. Behavior if we're is toxic call behavior. Out one. Yeah. yeah, toxic behavior has no gender. All right. <laughs> all right. Anyways, <laughs> she's supposed to be a relationship expert. That's like her whole mo, right? She's writing this column. Wait, really? Yeah, Sex in the City is an advice column that she writes. Oh, so that's like okay. I'm really showing my ignorance. I have no idea what any of this is about. <laughs> um. So that's, she's a freelance writer, but she's writing this, like, relationship advice column. Yeah, when the series starts, she's writing this column in the New York Star, which is called Sex in the City, um, and it is just kind of, like, autobiographical, um, of her tromps around New York City, but also kind of advice for single women, um, so, yeah, and then later... Like, at this point, she does this, but she's also a book author and a freelancer for Vogue. Um, Okay. So, instead, after a lot of back and forth, she tells him that he can use her old place two days a week. I want to remind everyone that at this point, we are a solid hour into the film, and they still haven't gone to the fucking desert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The next scene, we're finally on a plane to Abu Dhabi, and... This hat that Carrie is wearing. It's like a wasp colony made a nest on her head. And that is not an exaggeration. How come when I want to bring a carry-on on a flight, I have to shove three weeks of socks into a pocket meant for pins, but this bitch gets to bring a whole ass hornet's nest on her head? Classism at its finest. That's insane. I have left vital articles <laughs> at home. Like medication. <laughs> Yeah, no, I sent you a picture of this hat, too. It's ridiculous. It's like, who convinced you that this was a good idea? But anyway. <laughs> Miranda reveals, on while they're getting settled down in their seats, that she's read, like, every guidebook on the UAE while... Um, let me start that over. Miranda reveals that she's read, like, every guidebook on the UAE while they're, while they're settling down telling Samantha that it is unacceptable for men and women to embrace in the Middle East and so on. Because, like, Samantha's whole trope is that she has a lot of sex. Um, Charlotte reminds everyone that she thinks her nanny and husband are having an affair. At the Plains Bar, Carrie discloses her new arrangement with Big. Charlotte protests with her puritanical values of what marriage is. Samantha uh, shocks and horrifies the people around her with her lewd comments the whole way there. When they arrive in the UAE, airport security takes all of Samantha's hormones, creams, etc. Remember that regimen of 44 vitamins I told you about? Um, Mm -hmm. So she'd been using all of those to stave off menopause, and the UAE is very strict on drugs. So they took all of this from her when she was entering the country. They immediately realize how pampered they are about to be when their guide leads them to four brand new cars with private drivers. They escort the girls to a gigantic estate light hotel and they're greeted by the staff. As the manager is showing them around, they find out that the World Cup finals are occurring there, much to Samantha's joy. As they arrive in their luxe suite, which is comprised of an entire floor of the hotel, they each are introduced to their private butlers, 
where Charlotte uses her maiden name because her married name is Jewish. Racist red flag number 20 of 3,479 at this point. Oh my god. Yeah. Her married name is Goldenblatt, I think, and she uses her maiden name because it's York. Because uh, they're in the Middle East. That is too much for me to unpack. Anyways. At dinner, the girls look around and discuss how the other women present are dressed. Miranda explains the difference between each type of veil, albeit not pronouncing them correctly. Um, she calls a niqab a niqab. <laughs> says it like 14 times. <laughs> Why would I think that they would have any kind of like Middle Eastern consultant for this movie whatsoever? Or like any kind of diversified experience? Why would I give them that benefit of the doubt early Miranda... on? Her character went to Harvard Law, and she's a successful New York attorney. I don't know why she doesn't know how to say niqab. Um, When she mentions that women are required to dress in a way that does not draw sexual attention, Samantha immediately rejects this idea and protests when Miranda asks her to cover her cleavage. This makes me think that Samantha would be one of those medical-exempt type anti-maskers, you know? (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my doctor says that I can't breathe my own yeah. hair. You can't make me wear a mask. If you've watched Sex in the City, that was a perfect imitation. <laughs> <laughs> and since Madison hasn't, she can't correct me. <laughs> as Miranda tries as Miranda tries to explain that women are free to embrace their tradition by wearing what they want, including niquabs, <laughs> Carrie states Okay. <laughs> A step in the right direction, at least. (laughs) Carrie states that they freak her out and gives the impression that women in the UAE don't have voices. This is the mood for the rest of the movie. (laughs) The weird boomer Gen X centrist liberal idea of feminism that cannot even begin to understand intersectionality and the nuances of global feminism. It is honestly exhausting. It makes me sick thinking of all the 50-plus-year-old women giving themselves pats on the back for racist observations about traditional religious dress. Fuck all the way off. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Underline that, please. (sighs) Let people wear what they want. Who cares? Anyway. Um, That's the real feminism. Just wear whatever the hell you want. It has nothing to do with you. How about that? Um... Unless someone's being, like, literally forced to wear something. Like, it has nothing to do with you. Um, Charlotte obsesses about her husband not answering her texts. Miranda keeps saying macabre wrong. It's hilarious <laughs> in a super sad kind of way. <laughs> the next morning, the girls are eating an honestly glorious-looking spread of breakfast food. Samantha, (laughs) like, I'm so jealous watching this movie. Like, these guys are assholes and they get treated like this. What the fuck? Um, (laughs) Samantha, Samantha is horking down foods with naturally high estrogen because all of her hormones are taken away. So she's, like, shoveling hummus and yams in her mouth. Um... Samantha and Miranda decide to go to the souk, which is an open-air market. Their butlers warn them not to have a quote-unquote forbidden experience. He says, Men may approach you with black market wristwatches. If you engage them, they'll move you to your room and try to sell you other items. It is illegal. Other than that, you'll not have to worry. People here are very honest. Okay, so I have to describe this outfit that Carrie wears to the souk. 
<laughs> Imagine for a second, Madison, close your eyes. Imagine okay. going to your closet and pulling on a t-shirt. And then on top of that t-shirt, you put a sparkly blazer. And um, then you're looking around at your skirts and you decide that a purple striped ball gown is the way to go. Uh, you slip that on and then you pop on some Over. stiletto Louboutins as your outfit for the day. Oh, okay. Recap real quick. So I have a, a t-shirt. T-shirt, sparkly blazer. Striped mm-hmm. ball sparkly gown. blazer. On the bottom. Over the blazer? <laughs> on the bottom. Over, okay. And uh, okay. stiletto Louboutins. And you're going to an open air Middle Eastern market. I deserve whatever happens to me. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. (laughs) Oh my god, I found it. (laughs) So bad. Why is she wearing this? Okay, so when you said t-shirt, I at least was picturing, like, a plain-ass white t-shirt. And when you said ball gown, I was thinking, uh, like, some kind of tool number. No, this is just a poofy... Cinderella type dress on the I was thinking that this was gonna be some of that like Vera Wang Coles kind of vibes. As bad as that is, is, it's worse. Not even (laughs) it's worse. Yeah. As awful as that is, this is so much worse. Um, as your friend, I would personally have you checked into a psychiatric hold. But I guess I don't understand fashion. Um I mean, same. This outfit is culturally offensive, but, like, in a different way than the rest of the movie. <laughs> it isn't offensive to a specific culture, just culture and good taste in general. I'm just offended. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> um, okay, this one's definitely going on the Instagram. Holy. <laughs> uh, good news, we're halfway through the movie. Um... Oh, good. <laughs> 40 minutes in. <laughs> the worst part... Of this outfit, however, um, is that she has a pair of sunglasses on a stick. <laughs> so think opera glasses. Like, you know how you like hold them up to your face with the stick. But um, they're just some blocky travesties from the 2010s. This is Disgusting. awful. Um, this so she spots a shoe stand. And rather than picking out any of the adorable styles of mules and slippers... She picks some flats that have a literal horn sticking out of the top of them. (laughs) She can't make one good decision in this movie. This is so much worse than, like, your typical 2010 fashion. Like, I know we've roasted some early 2000s fashion, but oh my gosh, this is next level. This isn't even the worst fashion. We're not even there yet. Uh, She pays for the elf shoes and goes to make room in her purse when she hears the call to prayer. She sets her fucking passport on the shoe stand and leaves it there. Um, so keep that in mind. As she's looking around, she spots an ex-boyfriend, a fan favorite, Aiden. At an open air market? Yeah, they talk about how weird it is. <laughs> um, okay, cool. I-, <laughs> I can't get into all the details with this guy, but in the series, they dated. They broke up when Carrie cheated on him with Big. They dated again, got engaged, and broke up again when Carrie decided that marriage wasn't for her. Um, Aiden greets her much warmer than I would if we went through all that. And also, if I saw Mm -hmm. one of my friends wearing an insane outfit in public, 
Um, he invites her. <laughs> yeah, the the excuse that they use is that he's a furniture builder in the series. And he says he comes out there to get rugs to stage with the furniture. No, 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 no. This is still not a good excuse. <laughs> I know that the world can be a small place, but this is, like, such a deus ex machina. Like, yeah. let's just put him on a crane and lift him up out of the Plop scene, down and he's there. gone. Yeah. Um, he invites her to dinner at his hotel and the next night, and later Carrie catches everyone up by the pool. The Australian rugby team comes for a splash in their stuffed Speedos, and Samantha finally realizes that her sex drive is gone. So sad. Um. <laughs> She's like, I'm not feeling anything down under. Because they're Australian. It's dumb. Um. Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> This is, like, such a backwards understanding of, like, female sexuality, yeah. too. Oh, my vagina's not tingling. I have no <laughs> sexual desires whatsoever because menopause. I feel <laughs> nothing. Uh, Miranda has planned a full day and night of Abu Dhabi fun. Her words, not mine, for the girls. <laughs> Abu, Dhabi Abu Dhabi fun. fun. They, take, they take their four separate cars to the middle of the desert where a group of camels. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> Tell Sophia to order me a margarita, too. I can't take this. Uh, um, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm about to have to explain the outfits they're wearing. One second. <laughs> they take their four separate cards to the middle of the desert where a group of camels is waiting for them. The girls protest because they were told they were going to lunch and dressed for the occasion. Miranda informs them that she bought them all riding outfits. And here, my friend is where the worst fashion in the history of the film industry makes its way to the screen. I'm going to ask Daniel to bring me a coffee here. <laughs> okay, while you do that, I'm going to look for the picture of the outfit. So here it goes. In a slow motion reveal over a sand dune, to the appropriately stylized theme song. As in, it's the Sex and the City theme song, but they're making it sound Middle Eastern. The girls appear. It is obvious that this scene is meant to be a big fashion moment of the film, and it fails so spectacularly. I'll start from the best dress to the worst. <laughs> Carrie is in a golden turban with a white strapless jumpsuit with a tie waist. All right. Okay. Charlotte is wearing a wide-brimmed Australian-type hat. One shoulder... I don't even know. <laughs> one shoulder brown mini dress over red pants, a gold belt at the waist, and a bright blue, silver, and purple patchwork shawl. Um... You're speechless, I see. <laughs> um... I don't... It's so fundy fashion to wear a dress <laughs> over pants and throw a shawl over it. But she's Jewish, remember? <laughs> Speechless. This is yes, second word, second best dressed. Um, and so Samantha, third worst dress, third best dress, second worst dress, is in a floor length white dress with yellow, black, red, and blue stripes all crossing at her chest. A tan shawl with a gold border. A white pharaoh looking leather head covering and a bedazzled canteen 
These are riding outfits or these are lunch These outfits? are riding outfits to get on camels. Christ <laughs> on a bike. And Miranda. Oh, Miranda. Who did this to you? Our poor ginger friend is crowned in a striped cowboy hat. Wears a brightly colored striped top that extends past her waist to the floor. Her skirt... <laughs> I just started a beer crack <laughs> I'm going to shotgun That's it. That's perfect. If it oh my god. Her skirt is tan and blue patchwork. Her huge wrestler-esque leather belt consumes her stomach with a, no. with a brass star display. And it complements her red and gold floor-length cape and pairs nicely with her tan fingerless gloves. Are you riding a camel or auditioning to be a rodeo clown? I can't believe this is happening. Okay, send me these outfits because they're so absurd I'm having trouble picturing them fully. So this will go onto our Instagram as well for other people to to witness because I can't visualize this. What? Yeah, this is how they pop up over a sand dune and it's supposed to be like the big fashion moment. Okay. Look what they did to poor Miranda. I'm... This is awful. I don't... I don't know where to begin. (laughs) What's sad is, like, these are all pleasant colors to look at. Like, if I were to just take this and strip it down to a color palette, I wouldn't hate these colors together. Like, in this scene. Everything else... It's just the articles of clothing. I don't understand. Like, none of these articles of clothing are even good on their own. I don't There's not a single article that I'm looking at that I would wear by itself. I don't understand. I don't understand. (laughs) Wait, this belt, though. Like, we have cheap park rendition of, like, Cleopatra. We have... (laughs) 80s prom, but confused. We have zombie costume, and we have Texas Easter. <laughs> Rodeo clown Easter. And nobody has on any appropriate footwear. No. Anyways, if I were a horse, I would buck every one of these <laughs> ladies off. Not a horse, I'm sorry, a camel. Either way. <laughs> Either way. So, in these terrible outfits, the girls have lunch, and Samantha spots a man that she wants to bang. Great. She has her sex drive back. She calls him Lawrence of Mylabia. <laughs> My god! This was the writer's strike. A writer would have known. Lawrence of Mylabia. And Charlotte falls off the camel. Scene change. <laughs> We're back at the hotel at karaoke night. Uh, the girls are all very sparkly. <laughs> and comment on the belly dancers in another stab at comparative feminism. Um, they're called up to the front to do a rendition of what I can only describe as a second wave feminism anthem called I Am a Woman? Question mark. Um, I think we are supposed to know what song this is because every woman in the bar is singing along and dancing. Uh, I've never heard of this. Yeah, maybe we're bad feminists, but 
It's a really surreal scene. And it's not good. Um, Lawrence and Malabia sees the performance and comes to their table after they sit back down and asks Samantha out for dinner the next night. Um, the next morning, Carrie gets a bad review of her book in The New Yorker, and it prompts her to call Aiden to set up their dinner. Apparently, this review ruins her day so badly that when Charlotte catches her and warns her not to play with fire on the way out to meet Aiden, Carrie accuses Charlotte of going crazy and thinking everyone is going to cheat just because she's worried about her own marriage. Very toxic kind of fucked once up again. Um, drink, like, if you were to drink watching this movie, every time they say gay win. <laughs> gay, gay win. win. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. A gay win! That's my horrible Georgia. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave the bigotry, but you can't leave the accent, my god. Sorry. Every time they say gay wedding, drink. Every time we say it, this is toxic behavior. <laughs> uh, I'll have to look up the drinking game when I'm done reading this to you because it's hilarious. Um, they got toxic <laughs> behavior going on. At this <laughs> that is some toxic behavior, young lady. You need to check your privilege. Um, <laughs> Miranda sees that Charlotte is incredibly hurt, naturally. And invites her for a drink. So this scene is the sincerest one in the film. And um, it delivers a great message to its audience. Shockingly enough, I know. Pick your job off the floor. Um, Charlotte begins to stop Miranda from complaining about the trials of motherhood. And Miranda instead encourages Charlotte to admit its challenges. They comfort each other, expressing that it's okay to enjoy a break away from your children. Miranda states that motherhood on its own is not entirely fulfilling for her and that she finds her purpose in working as a lawyer. Charlotte laments that she feels like she's failing as a mother because of how challenging she finds it. They toast to the mothers in the world that aren't privileged enough to have help like they do, and it does make me tear up, I hate to say. Okay, this is this is a great point. Like, good job. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It's the only good scene in the movie. This is the only path on the back you will get yeah. from me. Um, good message. Right. Uh, so the next scene cuts to Carrie and Aiden, and I'm instantly angry again. <laughs> they chat about kids and marriage and generally catch up. There's too much flirting going on for my comfort. On the way out... She's married, yes, right? Yes, they're both married. Okay, just making she, sure. He's yes, married and has married. three kids, and she's married to Big. Um, okay. There's too much flirting going on for my comfort, and on the way out, he kisses Carrie, and she kisses him back. Um, she freaked. These are the ones that broke up because of cheating, yes. right? With Carrie's now husband, yes. Ah, okay, sorry. Just making yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. No, you're on the right track. Uh, she grabbed. She runs back to the hotel to the bar where Charlotte and Miranda are and immediately tells everyone that she kissed Aiden. She grabs Samantha because she's having a crisis. And apparently needs everyone's attention. Like, she does this all the time. She blows her problem so out of proportion that it becomes the most important problem. This happens in the show all the time. She's just a messy person, from what I gather. Like, everybody else is dealing with these actual existential sort of problems where you, like, question your validity as an individual versus, like, as a mother. And also... Like, the concept of aging and being mortal or whatever. And she's like, oh my god, I kissed I my ex-boyfriend. Boyfriend after I went to dinner with him. Yeah. 
Um, it ain't gotta be that dramatic. Like, no matter what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's very dramatic. She does this in the show all the time. Like, someone will be having a very serious issue, and she will straight up, like, change the subject in the next sentence to be about her again, and it's infuriating, honestly. Um, bad person. She grabs Samantha, having a crisis, and needs everyone's attention. They all debate on whether or not she should tell Big. They don't decide, and the next scene cuts to Samantha on her date. At this point, we are two full hours into the movie. And uh, we're really just getting to the build-up for the climax uh, of the film, which is wild to me. Uh, Miranda is being overtly... Not Miranda. I'm so sorry, Miranda. I would never. I'm sorry, sweetie. I apologize. Uh, Samantha is being overtly sexual (laughs) on her date, making the other patrons of the restaurant uncomfortable. Now, I'm all for female sexuality, right? Whatever. I think it's demonized. But when you're in another country that is far more conservative than the United States, based off of religious principles, you need to be respectful. Um, She isn't and continues to piss off another couple having dinner. Lawrence invites her on a walk on the beach so they can bang without judgment, to which I say, you're staying at the same hotel. You're so stupid. (laughs) On their way out, the other couple alerts authorities to what's about to happen. I am not sure of the rules in this specific location that they're in because I'm not watching this film or whatever, but there are rules in certain areas of the world where you cannot stay in a hotel room together with somebody else unless you're married. Yeah. And it's all, like religious principle and agree with it or disagree with it if you want if you choose to go to that place you have to respect the laws that they have Mm -hmm. because you've chosen to go there and what they're doing right now is fully illegal public and it's illegal everywhere public indecency yeah going to have sex in public is illegal everywhere that will get you not within two miles of any school ever okay (laughs) um so at this point carrie calls big and tells him that she gets dated And rambles a whole bunch. Big looks pissed and quickly gets off the phone. Which, good for you, King. Um, Wasn't she just the one telling him that she felt like he couldn't have a night to himself alone because it felt like a break from the marriage? Okay, I'm just checking. I'm sorry, I'm just checking. Okay, I'm just checking. (laughs) Samantha calls and tells Carrie that she's been arrested for having sex on the beach. As her lawyer, Miranda goes to see her at the hotel security, where Samantha is insisting that they were just kissing. The authorities are taking everything very seriously. (laughs) Um, Charlotte and Carrie are chatting outside about the kiss with Aiden because Carrie makes everything about herself. Her friend has literally just gotten arrested in a foreign country, and she's still talking about kissing her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> like, you straight up might not ever see Samantha again, and this is what you're worried about. Like, once the embassy is involved, <laughs> your ex-boyfriend doesn't matter. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and then um, Charlotte and Carrie apologize to each other for being judgmental about each other's marriages. Um... Samantha is released the next morning, and, uh, oh wait, I didn't write this in, um, when the hotel manager asks to see her passport to record the incident, 
she slides it to him and a condom falls out. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> he releases, uh, he releases her anyway. And um, the next morning, uh, they get it all straightened out with the shake that invited them there. Um, and she gets released and they go back up to their hotel room. The front desk calls and notifies them that they will no longer be getting their room for free. Uh, the room, by the way, is $22,000 a night. Um, this is Mirakesh Morocco. Yep. <laughs> Your friend can be forgot cars. And that all meetings that Samantha had with the Sheikh are now canceled. Um, she asks when Oof. checkout is, and they say you have one hour to get out. Uh, so they have an hour to pack up their piles of shit. Like, these women are overpackers to the extreme. They each brought, like, six suitcases. And they have an hour to get all their shit I want to point out that this is probably more generous than a lot of international students got when lockdown first <laughs> began. And somehow they made it work without all the drama. So let's hear how the girls do. <laughs> it's just that, like... When they're packing all of their shit up, it just reminds me that my suitcase would have already been packed, because I'm not a psychopath that unpacks my shit when I get to a hotel room. Or, like, maybe you just have everything organized so you know that it fits in very quickly, (laughs) and this wouldn't have been a problem to begin with, because you're fucking organized and respectful. I don't know. (laughs) Weird. Everyone roll. Don't fold. You can fit more in the suitcase. (laughs) Roll. Roll and tuck. Roll and tuck. (laughs) Put your shirts in your shoes. More room. Um, <laughs> more room to work. I need more room to work. God. <laughs> we'll just have to link all of our weird shit. Like, we already referenced that improv group. This is from being Puppy Cat. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> it was only 4%. It was only 4%. For fuck's sake. They have one hour to pack up their pile of shit and leave Abu Dhabi. <laughs> On their way to the airport, Carrie finally realizes that she left her passport at the souk when she ran into Aiden. Um, Mm. Yeah, remember that from earlier? This is how I can tell she's not type A or does not have anxiety, because when I have traveled internationally, I have never not, once not been thinking about where my passport is. I would staple it to my fucking body. (laughs) Like, (laughs) some very important things line up for this next scene. Um... Charlotte needs gifts for her family, and Samantha's having a hot flash, so she's in shorts and a tank top, fanning herself and flashing the religious men at the market. (laughs) Miraculously, the man still has her passport, and she buys shoes for everyone. Um... Like, celebratory celebratory shoes. shoes. Yeah, she tries to give him, um, some money for being kind and not, like, selling her passport on the black market or whatever, and, um... I mean, fair. Yeah, and he won't accept it, so she buys everyone a pair of shoes instead. Okay, that's really cute. Anyways. Um, Charlotte, who did not hear the previous warning about the forbidden experience, follows a man with watches into an upstairs viewing room full of bogus designer bags. Mm. Mm-hmm. Carrie and Miranda overhear and chase after her, getting Samantha and Charlotte to follow them downstairs, but only after Samantha takes off her blouse. On their way out, because she's so hot, she's having a hot flash, so she's like, I literally cannot be wearing clothes right now, and Miranda's freaking out and being like, put your fucking shirt on, you're gonna get arrested again. (laughs) Um, 
On their way out, the men selling the bogus bags spot Samantha's real designer bag, thinking that it was stolen from their shop. Um, the man chases them out, grabbing her purse as the call to prayer plays through the souk. A tug of war ensues with every man in Abu Dhabi staring at the scene. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. The purse dumps out, scattering Samantha's condoms everywhere. <laughs> the men in the market begin yelling and chastising her as Samantha begins to freak the hell out, humping the air and screaming back at them. <laughs> She's what? like, I have sex! And like, humps the air and is like, they're condoms! <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> scenes about to happen. Hold on, I can't contain myself. Oh my god. Okay, so... <laughs> As they're being jostled by the crowd and followed by angry... Wait, I'm sorry, what's jostled? <laughs> um, the man... Oh, all the girls are being jostled now. So, like, okay, all okay. of the men are mad the at this display. And they're, like, trying to get Samantha out of there. And she's, like, still freaking the hell out having an episode. Um, so, so, she's, like, sweating profusely because she's having a hot flash. And all these men are, like, screaming at her. Um, uh, so, as they're being jostled by the crowd and followed by these angry men, they're, like, trying to leave the soup, but all these men are chasing after them. A group of ladies in burkas uh, pass the girls and, like, gesture for them to follow. Um, they slip into a store behind the women in the burkas, uh, where they go into a back room and are confronted by a group of women in burkas. They're in burkas the whole time. I keep saying burka. Uh, <laughs> they lift their veil. What are they wearing? Burka. Wait, I'm sorry. What are they wearing? Okay, Anyways, (laughs) They lift their veils and express to the girls how funny they think the show outside was and how angry it will make the men for weeks. (laughs) They love it. Um, Okay, I mean, maybe. That's actually pretty funny. It is pretty funny. She's like, this is all they're going to talk about for years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Samantha has another hot flash and um, an older woman... Uh, an older Arabic woman commiserates in the group uh, and pulls out the same holistic health book that Samantha was reading at the beginning of the movie. Um, Carrie tells them they're visiting from New York and all of the women exclaim with excitement. Then the most buck wild thing in the world happens. The women take off their burqas to reveal the same level of horrific designer bullshit that the Sex and the City girls have been wearing the whole time. I'm talking orange ostrich feathers bad. They're wearing that under burkas. Not only have we been openly talking about having a hot flash in the middle of the desert, but now we're saying that we're going to wear this uncomfortable-ass clothing under something else that we're already wearing to reveal in secret... Twenty foreigners who might cause a scene in our open air market, may mayhaps by chance. I'm so glad that I've gotten to share this experience with you. <laughs> this is the Coles Vera Wang look that I was referencing earlier, like to a T. To me, it feels almost more offensive that they would put these women in these awful clothes. 
Then the implication that Carrie and the girls don't see them as strong women until they take off their religious dress. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's all offensive, but what's most offensive is, like, why would they, like, find this liberating? Yeah. Out of everything. Why, does, why is this what makes them strong women? This nightmare. <laughs> yes. Because all women care about is fashion. <sighs> oh, my God. Um... It's wild to me that they rush so close to the idea of intersectionality without stopping to really analyze or discuss it at all. Um, this movie thinks that mere acknowledgement of the fact that women in Middle Eastern countries like fashion too means that everyone is the same deep down and women rock and men suck instead of going into the Islamic Islamophobic preconceived notions that they've had of every non-white character in this movie, they attempt to make it all up with a fucking Suzanne Summers book and some ugly-ass name-brand dresses. Yep. Anyway. But, I mean, <laughs> you, you hit the... I wish that I could comment more on that, but you just, like, nailed it. <laughs> I've seen this movie three times, so I've had time to condense my thoughts. This is insane mm-hmm. to me. It was. It's a different kind of woke, I guess, mm-hmm. because oh, at least we included Middle Eastern and gay culture in I here guess. somewhere. Like I don't. It's like you know that TikTok sound that's like what's gay and homophobic at the same time. It's yeah. this. What's inclusive and Islamophobic at the same time? This image right here is inclusive and homo. Not homophobic. Mm-hmm. I mean, kinda. <laughs> it's. It's just every type of phobia you could have is somehow, like, injected into this movie. Um, and so... Oh, Jesus fucking Christ, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Um, <laughs> the girls are like, how are we going to escape without the men seeing us? And the women put them in burkas. Okay, now I'm really hanging out. Now the podcast really is over. There's only a half page left. It's almost done, I swear. <laughs> Um, so the girls escape by ironically donning burkas to sneak past the angry men. Um, I forgot to mention that the reason that they're hurrying this whole time, like, they've already checked out of the hotel. The reason that they're hurrying this whole time is because they don't want to get bumped from their first class seats down to coach. Miranda's like, it's a miracle I got these tickets rebooked. Do you want to get bumped down to coach? And they're all like, ah, no. And it's like, you know, your entire demographic of women that watch this show are middle class, lower middle class. Like, shut the fuck up. Meanwhile, you're wearing hornet's nest onto an <laughs> airplane and I'm sitting here like, I don't think I can take my work laptop. I'll just stay up for 48 hours before I leave to finish my job. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carrie gets a cab to the airport. They can't wave one down because they're in burgers and they're invisible. Um, Carrie gets a cab oh, by yes. sticking her leg into the road and pulling her burka up to, like, flash a little leg, and a cab stops immediately. Is this a 1940s Looney Tunes? It's an homage. It's an homage to an old black and white movie that her and Big were watching at the beginning. (laughs) Ah, okay. Um, And she's like, it worked. Um, So they get home. They're back in New York. Uh, Carrie gets home. Big's nowhere to be seen, because remember, she fucking kissed her ex-boyfriend across the world. Um, After several hours... He comes through the door, they make up, and her punishment from Big is that he's gotten her a wedding ring, and now she has to wear it every day. Has she not been wearing a wedding no. ring? No. 
I hate these people. Their problems are so blown out of proportion, it's bonkers. Um, Absolutely bonkers. So to sum up... I'm sorry, your punishment for... Your punishment for your horrific decision is that you must tell the world that you're married. Yeah, and he gets her this big-ass black diamond, and she's... Oh my god, wait, I can't... (laughs) I didn't write this down, I wasn't gonna tell you this because it's too bad. Um... But I will know. So he gets her a black diamond, and she's like, well, why did you get me this? What was your, what was the reasoning behind this? And he goes, because you're not like other girls, Bradshaw. And, um... Oh, is that why she gets a special black diamond yeah. ring? And she goes, Madison, she goes, I was worried you were going to say it was black like my soul. I just want to note that that line came about um, two hours and 20 minutes into this movie. And, like, it took me way longer than two and a half hours to watch it because, you know, I'm sitting here typing all this out. So, like, after, like, six fucking hours of watching this stupid movie, that line came on and I wanted to just kind of, like, melt into my mattress and fade out of existence. (laughs) That is some straight up ebony darkness dementia Ravenclaw <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Someone I know recently made that joke in all earnesty. Earnestness? Earnesty? Earnesty is not a word. Earnestness. <laughs> Earnestness. I and I wanted to die. So, um, to sum up, we're in the last minute here. Uh, to sum up, all of everyone else's problems get resolved really quickly. Um, Miranda found a new firm where her boss doesn't judge her. Um, Samantha got her libido back with her hormones and kept boning. And um, Charlotte's hot braless nanny was a lesbian, so she had nothing to worry about. I mean, that kind of tracks, actually. <laughs> It tracks, but it doesn't track that, like, your husband was still ogling her. Just because she's a lesbian doesn't mean, like, there's not some issues there, but whatever. Yeah, she wasn't the problem no. this whole time, but okay. She had nothing to do with it. Um, so they keep Carrie's old apartment um, for anyone uh, to share if they need a few days off. So, like, Charlotte was talking about how her life is so much easier when she can take a day or two off from her bonkers children. So... They give it to everyone mm-hmm. to share. Um, the fucking end. That's the end of it. How do you feel? Do you have any lingering questions that I can sum up that I forgot to address? I, no, I, I'm just a gog and a guess that I simply sat here and listened to you basically give a book report about this movie, and I still, like, my back hurts. <laughs> I also have aged several years just listening to this. <laughs> Let me see if I can find that review that we keep referencing. Um... Lindy West wrote a noted review of the film, saying that Sex in the City 2 takes everything that I hold dear as a woman and as a human, working hard, contributing to society, not being an entitled cunt like it's my job, and rapes it to death with a stiletto heel that costs more than my car. It is 146 minutes long, which means that I entered the theater in the bloom of youth and emerged with a family of field mice living in my long white mustache. (laughs) 
This is an entirely inappropriate link through what is essentially a home video of gay men playing with giant Barbie dolls. It's so stupid that I'm, like, almost not offended. Like, it's so ridiculous, and everybody agrees that it's so bad that it's, like, hard to actually be genuinely offended at it because it was so poorly executed. Right, because the rating is very low, so it's like, no one actually likes this movie, so that offensive part doesn't come through where, like, if you think someone, like, took it seriously, because it's, like, it's obvious that everyone hates it. It's so sad, too, because I've never seen the TV show I've never watched the first movie, but as I'm told, like, this was, like, people like this show, Yeah, I love, like, I said at the beginning, I love this show. I'm not trying to shit on this show or, like, do some weird misogynistic thing where it's just like, ew, it's a women's show. Like, I like it. Um, Sophia and I have been watching a lot of it. We're almost done with the series now. Um, But just, like, because of who we are as people, we decided... When we saw Sex and the City 2 on Netflix to watch it without having any background <laughs> of who the characters were. We were like, I haven't seen the movie or the series, but I will watch the sequel. <laughs> so we did, and we obviously got rewarded. Thank you so much for that report, Sandy. I know you've sacrificed a lot to be able to put that together for us. <laughs> I so did. There, there was a effort. time where I thought I couldn't do it. <laughs> So, everyone Venmo me $5. At, like, 11.48 last night. Like, done. Literally. After three days of work. I sent you a screenshot. It was 19 pages and 4,800 words. Almost 5,000 words that I've written on this subject, which makes me think that maybe this should be my thesis. Um, But we'll see. (laughs) Honestly, it would make a good thesis if you were to tie... 2010 culture to this movie and unpack every single bias that they have. This would be an excellent thesis. You, yeah, you would have way over 100 pages, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's so, like, Gen X feminist. You know? Like, yeah, kind of like... <sighs> this is gonna sound, like, misogynist too, but it's toxic, so, or loud. Um, uh... Like, girl boss, like we were talking about with the MLMs, it's just like this fake hijacking of girl power. Um, Yeah. No, it's not misogynistic when you're commandeering, like, empowering terms to support your hateful beliefs. That's not misogynistic to be like, hey, this is really toxic. Like, no. Feminism is not one culture. Feminism is not just the hatred of men. It is, like, the equality to express yourself as you see fit. Right, and there's a problem with white feminists and TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, that just kind of center on women issues and don't really look into how those issues combine with, um, like, racism Islamophobia, transphobia, and, like, this movie is a perfect example of that, just being like, yeah, men suck, treat women better. It's like, yeah, but also acknowledge that you're incredibly privileged, and these problems that you're having are not trivial, they're real problems, but, like, you're using this position to shit on women because they have to lift their veil to eat a french fry. Like, leave them alone. You're trivializing your issues and, like, boiling them down to 
whatever this movie was, for sure. Ugh. We'll put a fashion book, uh, if you can call it that, <laughs> up on Instagram with all the outfits that I talked about. Thanks for listening to I'll Tell You in the Car. Subscribe and leave a review. Really appreciate that. I will personally make it my mission to try and include every single one of our weird references that we made throughout this as a link. So I will include our weird improv groups, Sweeney Todd, Jennifer's Body, uh, Bee and Puppycat. Like, I will try and include it all so you can keep up with our dumb content. My mom has told me one time that listening to us talk is like listening to two people talk in a different language. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Happy St. Patrick's Day. And happy Aunt Patty's Day, since you're definitely not listening to it on St. Patrick's Day. And thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye. Till next time. Okay, goodbye.